0: De-ro, de-ro-nday. De-ro-nday. What's
1: Underneath is a CastBox original produced in partnership with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all of your favorite podcasts. You can listen to What's Underneath wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot and see for yourself. Hello and welcome to What's Underneath, the podcast that will inspire radical self-acceptance through empowering you to embrace what's unrepeatable in you. I'm Lily Mandelbaum and sitting next to me is my mom, Alisa Goodkind. And we are Style Like You. So I'm already like jumping out of my seat today because we have one me here who is an artist, a musician. I mean, right now I have complete head crown envy for the beauty of which she walked in this door this morning in terms of her hair, which I guess all of you will have to look at our Instagram (laughs) to see what that was. And she also designs her own clothes. So I even hesitate to just call her a musician. She's a dancer. She's an artist. She's an all around 360 degree full on expression of beauty and love and amazing energy. So I'm I'm psyched to be here for this. How are you feeling right now?
0: I had this butterfly feeling of like anticipation. It's not every day that you're being a place where you can express who you are freely. I love what I do. I love I love I mean, and like I said, I'm not doing I'm being me. So, it feels good to be in a place where that is appreciated.
1: For you to say that, even just to express that feels amazing to me. The fact that you get that and someone like you and with all of your experience and with how free and um, alive you are as a a person, it's just an honor to me that you get that from us because what we're trying to do is something that's not always that understood.
0: I think it's not understood by those folks who are afraid to be themselves. It's very much understood by folks who live to be themselves. I mean, it's literally the only way that I can think. It's, it's Everything else in this world is controlled. So being able to get up in the morning and be who you want to be at that present time, it's like breathing air. So for me, it's being around folks who understand yeah. that is... It's a safe place.
1: You were saying earlier that your expression um, came
0: from control. I was born in England and sent to Nigeria at the age of four. I'm my father's only child, and I'm the first of three girls that my mother has. Growing up in Nigeria, dressing up became my way of having conversations. It was my way of making myself happy. When I came back to England... It was definitely the one tool I had. My dad was, if you're you're of an African parent, you know they told you where to go, how to go, what time you're in, what time. Very straight. And the one control I had, again, was the way I looked. I dressed. I wore my school uniform. When I got back, I changed. And literally if I decided I wanted to wear my clothes inside out, I would. And there was a period when I did wear all my clothes inside out. I found things Mm -hmm. so much more fascinating about what was inside the garment Mm -hmm. rather than what was outside. And much as my father wasn't happy, that was the one place he left me alone with. He controlled everything else, right down to what subjects, what I did at school, everything. So it was like breathing air. And I remember being in South London. I lived, I grew up in Stockwell when I came out of the, lived in a tower block coming down and the kids would see me and they would go, here comes weirdo. It, it actually made me happy because they saw me. It's like I wasn't, uh, you know, that was, I think that's all the things like you see me. I don't have to speak because you, you, so, you see me coming. So that was me, my way of owning, of claiming space. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think... Um it's kind of sad when you think that it's so unusual for, uh, and so not acceptable to,
0: to be yourself. Everyone embodies that in different way. Other people used to dress like somebody else, to be, you understand, you own want to dress the same. That was like the worst thing you could tell me to do. And it, it went with everything else. I didn't want to dress like anybody else. I didn't want to dance like anybody else. I didn't want to sing like anybody else. I so needed to find me because I felt so lost. Like I wasn't somebody that I felt was wanted initially. So I needed to be needed.
2: What do you mean you felt lost and you you didn't feel wanted? Well,
0: my mom gave me up. She gave you up? Yeah, I was in foster care in Mm. England. But my mm-hmm. mom had me very young. Thankfully, my father stayed. And when his siblings, who were also in England studying, were all going back home to Nigeria, mm-hmm. he sent me with them to his mom. So I was with his mother, with my grandma. But fortunately, she passed on. And But before she passed, my dad's older sister took me in. And it was not a happy place to be because she had her own. It was like the child that you're always the after child. You were not. This is not. My dad is not my mom. I'm the cousin, so there's always that feeling that nobody wanted me. Mm. But I made myself be wanted. I mean, when the party, I was nobody saw me until when the music came on. I danced. Everyone knew Ibiumi was in the house. Mm. So it's the same with the way I dress. Like nobody saw me, but when I dressed Mm. up, everyone knew Ibiumi is in the house. So my name is Ibiumi, by the way. Ibiumi. Wumi is on stage. Ibiumi is off stage so and so your your dad was in england yeah he's and, still there and he's in england now. everyone is still there even when i was in africa mm-hmm. i literally was alone they were all in they would come look at me visit and they will leave again it was kind of weird wait who would come your, my mom and my dad so you you still know your mom you know yeah your mom? she came to see me i was 10 when she visited nigeria mm. when i remembered her coming and i met her for the first time um, what, what was, was that, that like, like? so funny okay so my f- years later on my father told me she actually came to see me when i was leaving england but i don't remember that i, l- I left england on a boat because back then people didn't fly they went by those big massive shapes then
1: when you were th- initially when you were old, very
0: well i left England by yourself yeah with fa- the whole bunch of f- his siblings were all leaving so i was with cousins again going back to going to nigeria for the first time i thought i was going on a holiday It Was a ten years holiday, so I was in Nigeria, and with everybody who have mom and daddy, and I'm like, my what's my story? Well, my mom is in England. I made up stories, and she's doing, she's taking, she's doing this really important job, and once the job is finished, she'll come and get me. By the way, I haven't met her yet. I don't know what she looks like, and I imagine my mom looked like everybody else's mother, and I was up a tree because I'm always climbing trees, Mm -hmm. and there was these two women, walking in. White women, as we we'll would call them, and my friends are like, "Oh, Rumi, if you meet, there comes your mom." I'm like, "Yeah, right." Just because my mom is singing doesn't mean she's white. And then sooner or later, I heard her call me to come indoors. I was like, "No, no, it's not happening," because wow. I had told this story to all my friends that my mom was like their mothers. What did, what did you think in your head? Like, what describe what their mothers looked like? Mothers are cuddly. They look like mothers. They don't look like like used, teenagers yeah they don't and they don't look like models and they're not on they're not they're not they're not models nurturers yeah mothers are nurturers they yeah. they they literally you could sit in there you know, on their lap and they could cuddle you and you could feel their breasts and all of that stuff mm-hmm. but the woman who came down walking as they were she was a vision it was like Sade that's it Sade the singer walking down I had these two emotions one of joy confusion and sadness because suddenly my stories wasn't making sense anymore (laughs) My story. oh my god how do i so it's like a death in a certain way yeah and it was the beginning of the trauma that would begin because the person who sat in front of me could never be a mother Mm -hmm. and that was the truth
1: so the reality so your fantasy like at least when you didn't know her
0: it was perfect you had the fantasy she was going to come and get me she was busy doing this job because she's doing what mother she's working at, but she will come and get me and and then she came and I was like she this one's never going to get me so what? and what what about her wasn't mother like what couldn't be a mother can you see Naomi Kambubin right i can't explain it just right. this was everyone around me had mothers they mm-hmm. had mothers they had mothers i've never saw a mother like her that was basically it yeah, i was this little kid who was dying Whenever I I, at this point I used to call my dad, sister, mom, because I now I grew up with her, Mm. so. And every time I would introduce her, now I was obviously mom. Then after she's gone, I say, but she's not my mom. Then I would tell them the long story. My mom is in England, and she's doing this, and she's gonna come and get me. So you understand? I've said this over and over and over, and finally, this in your mind, in your because at the
1: end of the day, all that really matters is what's in your mind. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's what you were saying. This was reminding
2: me of what you were saying when we when we stopped you like right before the interview about how wishing for something is more. More important, you than said, the than the actual, the actual thing? Yes. Can you talk about what you mean by that?
0: Ah. So I'd come to the realization, obviously, I feel like I've done the work on understanding who I am and realizing how big wishing, and I put wishing on yearning. When you've been consumed with yearning for something, I've been yearning for my mom. I've been yearning for a love that would take away all the things that I didn't understand and all the hurt and all the misunderstanding that would make everything that was wrong make sense. That, okay, I went through all this because this was coming and it never came. And then after a while, you just continue wishing and yearning that you've gotten so used to that emotion that you don't even realize that you've not switched it off. Mm So it's no longer the actual thing you want, it's actually the wishing that has become the comforter. Why do I need to be seen? Why do I need I needed to be somebody worth seeing? Mm. I was somebody who felt wasn't wanted. So I made myself wanted. I made everything that I can do to make myself. And and at the same time, I don't always want to be in a place How can I explain it? So when we talk about introvert and extrovert, Mm -hmm. I will walk the street naked because it's no big deal to me. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily do it because somebody asked me to do it.
1: I so understand. (laughs) Uh, You know, we did what's underneath, Lily and I ourselves. I could do it over and over again. I can take my clothes off on that video and no problem and expose my deepest emotions and just be myself. But we have another video series called Second Skins where people with opposite styles switch clothes and walk mm-hmm. in another person's mm-hmm. shoes. Mm-hmm. The most anxiety producing dread conceivable to me. That I would walk out the front door and that anybody would misunderstand who I am for yeah. one second. And I and I totally get the naked thing because and, and and doing what people say. Like I mean I'm just so fascinated how similar
0: our responses to a similar thing. It's the ownership of myself. Like I, and I give of myself. So there's a place. Like even when I came, got into the whole dancing thing and I was with soul to soul and we were, they mm-hmm. picked a whole bunch of us to choreograph. And I remember going through the whole thing and I suddenly stopped like, uh-uh, I can't do this. I don't want to dance like nobody. I don't want nobody else dancing like me. I was losing why I danced. I really danced because I just want to be me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been in a place of not seen <clears throat> if, if it makes sense, because it's like, how can you not be seen?" It's like, uh, 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 I'm not losing me. I don't want to lose me. So I didn't want to dance like nobody else. I just want to do my dance. And when they turned around and it was like, yeah, we want to just go with one person. I said, okay, cool. They said, no, one person, that's you. I was like, I get to do, you, see, you just do you. I mean, I just, oh, wow. do, and that's how I end up being the eat girl, the so-to-so soul soul girl. Because wow. I just, Were you
1: on that song? The, the, the big song? The... I'm the
0: girl on the album cover. I'm the girl with the long hair flipping everywhere. I'm the one in the back to life. Keep on moving.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, there's just so much to say about all this. It's such a fundamental boundary. A, a mother to a child, a parent to a child is like such a basic fundamental right. That, that when that gets crossed or when that gets, I think
0: what? the first issue of ab- um, issue that rises from being, feeling abandoned is if your mother is not there. How to explain that? And when you look all over and everyone has a mother, how do you explain you not having a mother? And I didn't have a mother and I couldn't explain to anybody why I didn't have a mother. And when my mother finally showed up, I really didn't have a mother. I don't know which was more crushing. If I had been left with my with my dream that I had a mom and then she never showed up, I think I probably would have been better off. How because funny. her showing up and not being the mother, and actually she, there was a point in time when she actually verbally said to me to stop calling her mom because I was irritating her. Because I literally, when she came, I, I shadowed her. I, I Do you understand? I called somebody else mom who wasn't my mom. And now I really had my mom. And I could say it, and it wasn't a lie. And then she said, stop calling her mom. And for years, I'm a grown woman now, and I would really had to tell myself, let the baby go. You are okay. Is that something that, is that, something
2: that you feel like it's a, cons- like a daily yeah, I wrote a song on my
0: follow-up, my second album that's not out, and the song is called Little Girl, and it's a lullaby. And it's really, literally, it's a song that if I, my, if I had a mother she would say to me.
1: Hmm. You learned to mother yourself.
0: I can, you,
2: can we hear some of the
0: lyrics? Lyrics from a little girl. It's hard. I'm not able to sing it yet. It's like the first album. I had a song that was dedicated to that relationship. And it took me years to sing it. And when I finally sang it, I no longer cried. So when I don't cry anymore, then I can sing the song. It's no longer my song. And I remember when I finally was able to do that song, everyone in the audience were crying. And I wasn't crying. So I've passed that threshold. I knew that I had. To... And now with this song, it's like my lullaby song to the child that I'm not going to have.
1: Okay. The child mm. that you're not going to have yourself? Mm. Let it go. Everybody cries in these interviews. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just let it out. It's natural.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so it's like that. So from a little girl. She knew her time will come. Because her mother told her so before she gone. Little girl, love yourself. Let your truth be your shield and your guide. For your time shall come. Oh baby, never shy away. Little girl, feel no way. Don't worry what the people say. Remember what your mama say because soon you'll find your way. Little girl feel no way. No not worry what the people claim. Remember what your mama say because soon you'll find your star.
1: That's beautiful. So, so beautiful. <laughs> these are things that I think about all the time. Like why? Okay, so betrayal. Like. You know the the parent
0: child like it's it's like a it's like sort of the ultimate betrayal it's, it's the, the biggest ultimate. one I think it's the beginning, and I always had this saying that it, as an uh, we all know this growing up, and then you know how damaged the world is because as a child, we all know what is missing, and when you become an adult and you decide to have a child, then you know above all that what you don't want is the child to spend their adulthood. Trying to overcome a childhood, so make sure they have a childhood, so their adulthood is not spent in suspension.
2: Mm.
0: What are the ways that you
2: see this abandonment kind of complex or you know struggle like come come up in your in your life as an adult?
0: Oh. <laughs> making choices from a place of yearning and wishing rather than from a place of knowing
2: mm. owning mm.
0: I could be a mother right now, mm. but I chose not to because I was scared that I would be like my mother. Mm. So instead of having a baby, I gave up. I had an abortion.
1: Mm. What you said about um, adulthood, like well, there's there's so many of us, I mean, if not all of us on some level still, are adults who are children. Still children. And I'm just, what I'm trying, I guess what I want to like sort of discuss or like bring up or just throw at you is um we're all getting betrayed like we're all like like our teachers um are around us all the time you you think something's a certain way you think someone is a certain way to you you think something is solid and boom they're nothing of what you thought they were so i guess what i'm trying to and then i look at you who look at what has blossomed like, yes, there is this incredible, and I feel for you so deeply, the sadness about having the abortion. I really, I really understand that so deeply. But at the same time, and, and, and that you've had so much pain and struggle, but at the same time, I look at you and the minute you walked in the door and your expression in every way, like your spirit is so strong, your style is so strong, your art is so strong. Um, and your life, you know, you live in three places, you have this incredible, so out of this blossomed this, yeah. this beautiful this Yeah, it's being. acknowledging
0: that, and that's the place where you have to stop feeling sorry for yourself, because you didn't realize that it made you who you are, and if you are able to be conscious enough to understand that this person is a product of all that journey, just like my name, my name was bigger than me when it was given to me, I couldn't couldn't even pronounce it to begin with. But I now understand that that was the name, the name Ibiwumi. Ibi means to give birth. Wumi means to like, to love. So I'm a child loved. I'm a birth loved. I'm a life loved. But I had to walk into that shoe. And for a long time, that wasn't a shoe that I thought I could wear. This is what's
1: also fascinating is like, is we all look at each other and we think there's some kind of
0: solid good place that no. people are in. That everything stops, that like the pain stops being there, or you stop feeling sad when you. No, it's when you finally know that all those things make you who you are. It doesn't break you. It makes you who you are. It makes the talent that you are. It makes the the everything that people go on about is because all those things that happened that gave you the impetus to go and
2: speak. Um, when did you like? So, can you talk a little bit about like um, your the rest of your childhood and like when you when did you leave, go back no, no. to England and okay. come here and? Or...
0: So my mom came and left. Mom came and left. My dad, he came, and he left. And I would hear stories among cousins because whenever my dad's sister would travel to England. They would look at me and say, you didn't go? And I didn't understand what it meant I didn't go. But all along, that, it turned out that I was supposed to have gone with her. She always managed to forget. How can you forget somebody you're supposed to take with you? She she never remembered to take me with her when she's going. I always got forgotten. And when my dad, would he would come, when he would come, and ask me, what do I want? What would I like? And I would. Make a list. And I never received any of those stuff. It wasn't until I got back to England and we actually talked. And he said, I, I sent. I gave her. I sent it. I gave her the money. I never saw anything. And there was a particular time when I knew he was supposed to be coming. And she had told me he wasn't coming for me. And he, she was going to report me. So it was like my dad's sister. Who I, oh, who, who I was mm-hmm. living with at this point. It was just like Cinderella. I hated Cinderella because I felt that was my life. And I was like, nah, I'm not interested in watching no Cinderella. But as a so child... This, your dad's sister was like taking the money and the
2: presents? She basically,
0: she had her own children. And I guess if she'd been giving me my things, then I would have things that her children didn't have. I didn't get any of the things my father sent to me. And even when my mother sent me stuff, it was always in a trunk. I never... Got to wear half of the stuff my mother sent to me. I ended up in England with no underwear because I used to, I had no underwear. I used to, I used to be one of those peep child who wet their bed. I was a nervous wreck. I, I came back to England when I was fourteen, and it was maybe another. I stopped peeing on myself when I was sixteen. But I stopped feeling like I was gonna do it when I was 18. So for 16 to 18, I was still a nervous. I was still going to the <gasps> catching Panic. myself, yeah. But I, I used to, I used to wet myself. Mm. And when I, when I was told that I, we were all going now to England, my auntie with her kids, I was went to my auntie's husband to go and say thank you because supposedly he bought my ticket and he gave us all this, only to find out after I turned up in England that I wasn't going on a holiday. I was actually coming home to stay. And my dad was paying for all of that. So it wasn't what it was. And for me, I had a mom who didn't, wasn't my mom and I had a mom who wasn't my mom. Right. Double. Double. And but- so I lived. I came back to England not knowing I was coming back to stay. And I wasn't actually looking forward to it because I was going to be reported to my dad who was going to. So the, what was I going over there for? So I could have a miserable time so that my dad could beat me or punish me because my auntie was going to report me. Report you him. for what? For whatever it is that crimes I've been committing. Basically, that's the, you put a fear on God in somebody. So you're not looking forward to being with people that you're supposed to be with. I, when my dad was coming, she basically told me my dad doesn't, it wasn't coming for me. So when he came to England, to Nigeria, I would be like, you're not coming for me. And he, he came, he left. And I remember the conversation we had was like, why didn't you write me? I said, what should I write you for? He, he said you, that to you? Yeah. Like, why didn't I tell him what was going on? And I'm like, what? You came and You left. You, Are these
1: the discussions you had when you finally came finally back to, came London, back to, to England? Yes. Yeah. And how did he feel about it all?
0: He felt bad, but I was a mess, physical mess. So we had to talk, and I had to tell him I was abused. He, why didn't you tell me? I said, what do I say to you?
1: Said, you were abused was, in, in Nigeria. Almost, Emotionally molested. abused? I
0: was molested.
1: In Nigeria? Yes, 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 yes.
0: By? Everybody and anybody who was a male in the house... Because when you leave a child, on, a female child, unattended, you're leaving a child vulnerable. And my auntie had a daughter, but she never left that daughter. So she knew. Hmm. She took her daughter everywhere she left. She went. She never left her daughter. She left her son.
1: And so, and so, when you discussed all of this with, I mean, so what happened between well, you and your father? There's
0: nothing my dad can say, but. What can he do? I mean, he made a choice to not come back to Nigeria when he did, and he made a choice to leave me there. And, yeah, he was full of guilt. He felt bad. He felt maybe if he hadn't sent me home to Nigeria, maybe my mom would have. But my mom wouldn't have because my mom couldn't do it. Did you
1: ever connect back with her?
0: Yeah, because she had, when I came back to England, my mom lived in West London. And I lived in St- Stockwell. For the seven, from the age of fourteen till I was twenty-one, I had to go and visit her every weekend. That was my dad's way of trying to make amends, thinking that would we'll bring us back together. It wasn't going to happen because my mom didn't have a bone in her to be a mother like that, mm. and there was no love between the two of us. Just it was just she's my mom, I'm her daughter. She, she wanted of me the role that you're supposed to play as a daughter, the African way you do things for your mom. She'd say, sweep the house, sweep the house. I was full of resentment. Like, you didn't do nothing. You didn't, there was no acknowledgement no, of who you were. Well, you yeah. didn't end this. You didn't raise me. Yeah. No. And so, and I was actually, t- I'm told about my mom. you not her servant. <laughs> no. And so I was angry. And she was scared of me. And it was kind of like a weird kind of thing. So, would you like express your ang- you would be angry no, outward or just no you could feel because it? I was raised a proper African child mm. you don't even when the adults are wrong you don't speak up but I had a younger sister who she raised who did everything that I didn't do fought with her they they had fights oh so she had another daughter she had I was there's three of us and I'm the oldest are you close with them now or no I'm close. Were they in, brought up in London, or one? My middle one was raised in Leicester, born and raised in Leicester.
1: By brought up by your mother and father? No,
0: we all have different fathers. There's three of us,
1: and and so they all ended up with the father.
0: Everybody, except for the younger one, whose father passed away, so she ended up taking her in. So we were all in foster care at different times.
1: If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe. And give us a good rating so the powers that be can keep this podcast going.
0: We're talking about my life right now. We're not even talking about styles.
1: <laughs> well, that is your life. It's both. Life and
0: style are... Yeah.
1: Your, your life has informed your style.
0: Yeah, definitely. I made myself whole again. I made myself worthy of my own love. I made myself like... It's kind of like saying that you would not not see me. When you say you made yourself whole again, like... Like can... I made myself special for myself. What did you... Can
1: you talk about that process a little bit? Like, did it begin around
0: then when it, you were when back When I in came London? back to England, you know, I didn't speak much. I mean, it was funny enough, my thing was watching people and being wary. Like, rejection is major for me. So I'm not trying to get into a situation that I don't understand or don't feel... And I entertained myself by dressing up. That was my myself, my shadow. When I dance, I dance with my shadow. When I dress, I dress in a way this, as however I want I won't make it. I was having conversations with myself and the world through the way I dress. When I started going to school, I had a close couple of friends and my teachers noticed that I when music came on I came to light. So people may not notice me, but when music came on they couldn't I danced and the way I dressed I always I made my own clothes. I went out of my way to make my own clothes. I used to sew by hand till I finally got a machine. And it was just about making myself special. It's like do you understand it's like mm-hmm. yeah, we no, understand. It was, totally. make myself totally special. It. I'm special. I'm special. And then how special. did
1: that start? Like how did that start lifting you out of this? Like cuz obviously that I mean did that all start So
0: then I, you know, I went to school you know when you're different those who recognize that want to hang with you when I started going to clubs to dance obviously I dress up I get on the dance floor I do my dance and I come home when Jazzy B was ready to do the whole so-to-so thing he ca- he called upon the people who obviously were you see on the floor and I was one of the people he called upon and When they did the photo shoot. And I figured it all out. I felt like the whole thing came about that I became that girl that they chose because a whole group of us was chosen and the whole group of us did a photo shoot and my picture stood out because I have my own... It was like if you want something special, something that just... And I guess they made a decision that all oh, this, is, yeah, Extraordinary. That, this, we're going to go with this, and so it worked out. And Wait, can
2: you tell for, for, for the listeners that yeah. don't know Sol, what? So to so, yeah, can what is yeah.
0: So to so, were a group which was actually Jazzy B and Nelly Hooper, and uh, Jazzy is a DJ, Nelly Hooper was producer who created music. And those of you who do not know, he did Tina Turner, The Cranberries. He he's dope. Nelly Hooper is dope and Jazzy has his own skills too and I feel one of his biggest was he spotted talent mm-hmm. and he brought them all together Karen Wheeler being one of them amazing vocalists beautiful stunning amazing. beautiful heart you know and then there was Rose Windross, who's the actual from the underground scene she's the one we knew because she used to also dance at Buster Moves Man she can dance and she used to sing and dance when the DJs was spinning and then there were the other DJs, um, H, Q, what and this? Daddy. This was 80, I want to say 85, 86, mm-hmm. 87, 88, 89. But everything blew up 89. Back then, the clubs in West End were not allowing black folks in, especially black guys. So only black girls were allowed into clubs in West End. And the clubs where you wanted to go and dance, you would go in there and the guys would be left outside. And when we started creating our own DJs, basically, we started doing their own underground parties. That's where we all used to go to. It's called the warehouse parties. And there'd be rare groove. And the music was kicking. And all my, me and my best friends would go we go dance. Strictly just dance. All dressed up, by the way. Everybody dressed up. You can you imagine like, what it was in the 40s and 20s where it was all, all of, everybody dressed. That's how it was. Right, in and city. I was
1: experiencing that here in New York in mm-hmm. the 80s. yes.
0: Mm-hmm. We dress up to go dancing, so we all knew everyone. All the dancers knew each other because we all word of mouth. You knew where to go, so that's how the whole vibe came about. And when so to so, then opened up the space at African Center, which was in Covent Garden Center, truly Center. It was easy for everyone to just go there, and everybody said going there to dance, and that that became a movement and. When he decide, when the album thing came, he plucked people from the scene, which was the smartest thing to do, to be involved. And it was just like So how did that change your life? Like cause were you making and Soul music? to Soul blew up. So right. to so blew up. I you know what's funny? I didn't feel any change other than what I was doing
2: already. Yeah. Dancing. I carried
0: on being myself. That was the agreement. I didn't have to be nobody else. So, ladies and gentlemen, so to so I came out and danced before carrying came out to sing and jazzy you know and as it got bigger it was it was the same thing ladies and gentlemen so to so and I'll step out you've seen yourself but it's not somebody else it's you I I didn't have a stylist I wasn't styled this was me
1: you were creating yes
0: I was doing me and it literally was from being me in my little room with my shadow me getting just and suddenly it was It's wild. truly
1: like um cinderella
0: <laughs> <laughs> like its own cinderella story so right yeah it's it's kind of like a fantasy thing kind of and you still have to stay grounded it you all know, and that was the main point for me that i stayed grounded but you were seen and you yeah. were recognized yeah And I started doing with with the whole, obviously with the so-to-so thing. And then I was being invited with the dancing thing. I did things on TV. And Mm -hmm. my image became one of the most talked about iconic image. And then when my image began being used all over the world to sell commercials and things, it was like weird. Because it was just not something planned. It was just me being me. And then I moved to New York.
1: And people are so attracted to that. Like at the end of the day, when you talk about the light that's inside of people that everyone has, the only way that that light is going to shine is that way. Like you were pushed so hard to be that sort of inexplicable, irrepeatable essence that we are each born with, that singular thing that we're each born with. And we're not cultivated to access or to to feel like that's the most important, you're here, find that. But you were pushed to find that so hard, and then look what happened. Yeah, I think it's, it's,
0: it was either to be lost or to be found. Like I could have been lost by all the things that was happening. And that's why I always say that you shouldn't have people judge people too quickly. And so that some of us, Deal with pain different ways, I dealt with the fact that I was v- so vulnerable by being so wild that you would leave me alone by being so visual you didn't step to me literally unless the you ones were that... unless you were like me, then you knew totally. what it was so most people, the people thought I was weird, yes, most people thought you were weird or oh she's crazy because dead But those the people who stepped and spoke with me and got to be my friend is because they recognize themselves
2: yeah. so how has it been um a- after that whole chapter of your life like continuing to do music and be an artist well like music
0: in this in this commercial uh, i i do the the, the the bit that actually happened before so to so was roy Royer's. Royers, the jazz funk jazz I went to see him as a birthday gift. One of my cousins took me to go and see him at the Palladium, which is this venue in Mm -hmm. West London. Mm -hmm. And his manager at the time saw me because I used to dress. I'm laughing myself. I feel I'm pretty tame now. I try to think about my younger self was actually crazy. So he saw me and said, "Nah, Roy's got to see this." And I was like, I didn't understand. him. like, took me backstage. That's my first time going backstage at a big concert. this is way before Soul to Soul and as soon as he saw me he's like hmm do you dance I said yeah he said yeah you remind me and he said you remind me of this dancer who dances with Prince you don't understand I loved Prince I love this music I love the fact that you know it was just out there when I said I do my one woman shows a club I the Prince music was one the one I danced to and I used to dance behind the screen and everything so the next thing the soul to soul gig came about so it was just uncle roy i call him uncle roy now he had said to me when he met me that i had a presence of life that money mm-hmm. couldn't buy and wow well, what a thing to say to someone and i wasn't aware of but it 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 never forgotten because it stayed with me because i kept new i, I just said something's going to happen to me because it was so surreal that he he just knew me he had, he went on stage and announced that he had his dancer from nigeria and I went on stage and danced. That was my first I mean, stage. what a
1: thing for someone to say that you have a presence that money can't buy. Yeah. It's just so inspiring, like, to overcome what you, you know, to, for, for you to end up in a place where someone, I mean, how much, no one could see you better than that. No,
0: no. And that is, that's the place I feel now as someone who could mentor somebody else now to see that. I recognize it and to let that be known the younger generation, you know, most of the time we have, Mm -hmm. what we're missing is actually not missing. It's just nobody has told us that it's there to recognize it. You know, and sometimes recognizing it too, not to be afraid of it because that's the same thing about the songs. Like, don't be afraid of it. You will grow into it because sometimes it's bigger than you to begin with. Mm. It always is bigger than you. And you would grow into it and how to move with it, how to own it. Because I had to grow into everything that I was. It was bigger than me. I was scared of it. I was scared of failing it. I was scared of not fulfilling it. Having that conversation with Uncle Roy at the time, I didn't fully understand it till when he would oh, come back to London and he would say, so how are you doing? Have you started doing music yet? I was like, music? I had no plans to do music. I, I, it was enough just trying to do the fashion and dancing, and I was not doing it. I did fashion. I went to take a fashion course, so my father didn't feel like I totally bombed out. I was dancing. Now I was dancing, and I was dancing on a world stage, doing me, not choreography, not nobody else telling me this is what you're going to do today, how you're going to do it. And I was total control. All the things I did on the stay, on the street now was on stage. Right. How do I explain that to somebody that I was leaving me? And it's so easy to have gotten lost in that, but I, I was being so aware of the, wow, it, uh, this is me. But well, you can't really
1: get lost if you're, if you're being
0: yourself. Yeah, but you could, because now you attract a whole bunch of people who come to take. That's where you then need people around you who keep you grounded that you don't get lost in. Right. You, and you've been yearning and wanting And suddenly the whole world looks to see they want to give you everything. So I'm thankful. Honestly, thankful. Because when you ask yourself, how does somebody who has everything over ODing, how do you take drugs? Why do you go when everything you could possibly want is right there? Because you're still yearning. Because you're still wanting. But if you have the right people around you to ground you, to let you know.
1: So, that yeah, to not just keep going and endlessly want want, more of it,
0: yes, and then you lose yourself, yes. So, you said the music, so then what happened with music? Music was something I was remember being in my manager at the time because at this point I was doing one woman shows, it's so so surreal sometimes when I think about it. I was doing me, I was being booked to come on stage, I had a DJ and a percussionist, and between myself and my best friend who we went to college to do fashion and we had a clothing line called Revolution with Love because we love Prince. We really love Prince. <laughs> so we would create my stage clothes. I had a, so, a friend who helped me build my stage as well. So I did performances all around the world as Wumi, the dancer. But while I'm dancing I always, always create I scat I, I scat along with music so within me hearing music, I'm also doing another layer when I dance. I didn't know how bad that I was doing it la- that loud till when I, I would travel a lot, come back, when the gigs go away, with so-to-so come back. And one particular time I came back with my friends and they were all doing this scatting. And so, and what I, is scatting? The music is playing and I'll be scat, 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 scat. I was always adding a beat on top of what I'm hearing. So I scat a lot. That was always what I did. That's how I dance. I dance scatting. And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the beat, but I'm dancing my own beat on top of it. So when I came back and they were all doing it, I was like, they said, girl, we missed you. And I never realized I did it out loud. I thought it was in my head. And a lot, if you listen to my music, I still do. I write. My writing process starts with me scatting. Like, I, I hear melodies and it's, I record my scats then I go and listen to it and I put words into those scars. Hmm. Like a little girl. Beautiful. The little girl has a scar in seconds that goes, De-ron, Day de ra de-ra-ra-ro, de-ron-dey, da ra ro de-ron-dey, de ro de-ron-dey, de ro ron dey ro Dee da 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 day, di da da day, and that became little gal feel no way. Don't worry what them people say. Remember what your mama say. Soon you'll find your way. So that's I literally write like that, like it beats. I always say that I I um I sing percussively rather than, you know, and I put the melody in, the, I hear it, and then what's the story about? I always ask myself. I heard words come in, what's the story about? Then I fill in the blank. So basically I used to scat when I danced. And when I was away, when I came back, all my friends missed me so much that that's what they were doing. So when I came there, I was like, it's kind of funny, the things that you don't realize you're doing that, and... He said, so when Uncle Roy would come, he would say to me, so have you started singing? I was like, what is you in this singing? No, Uncle Roy, I'm not singing yet. I can't, I can't, I can't sing. He said, what do you mean? I said, okay. I said, you know when you're hearing things in mono, but you're doing stereo, or when it's in stereo and it's mono. He said, what do you mean? I said, basically, I have a very strong African accent. When I sing, I don't sing with my English accent. I actually sing with my African accent. And everything around me was American tone or British. It wasn't that tone. So I didn't hear anything that made me feel confident that what I was hearing made sense. So I never used my voice. So when Uncle Roy kept saying, are you going to sing? I was like, I can't sing. I don't sing because I don't sing like anybody. So he actually literally had me do all these scales with him. And he said, so what do you mean? I said, oh, I don't have to, have I explain to you what it's not, I can't, I just can't, I'm not singing. One day I was in my manager's office at the time and something was playing. So obviously I didn't realize I was singing out loud. And she said, I knew you could sing. And I looked around me to find out who she was talking about. And I realized she was talking to me. I was like, oh God, no, no, you too. With all the gigs, with soul to soul, everywhere we went, the, uh, when we come off stage, I will finish dancing. Record company people. So you sing? Music was chasing me. I was, and I said it often enough. I said, "Music was like the boyfriend that was chasing me that I didn't want to get with. I was like, I don't want to date you. Leave me alone." And it wouldn't leave me alone till I finally said, "Okay, okay." So would you say that was one of the a big risk for you to? to it was humongous. Yeah, and it was bought naked because there was no hiding with it. Mm-hmm. Because, and also this was a place where people really did could judge me. Mm-hmm. Like being naked again in a much more inside out way. So to do music, it's because I wouldn't lie on myself. That's the thing. Because I I didn't want to do music for music's sake. It had to be me. Yes. And I grew up with music in Nigeria with conscious music. I grew up listening to fella. So music can only be that way. And that meant me being giving everything that I only give to people who I trust totally without thinking about it. I have always listened to my intuition, just wanting, I wanted to sign with somebody who believed in me strongly because that's the only way it was going to work because I had so much Mm self-doubt that you had to be completely, and I had too much doubt. So I couldn't go to mainstream that wasn't my cup of tea. And when people hear it, they're like, wow, if you just do something crossover. I was like, crossover where though? I, I couldn't do an R&B. It's not me. Mm-hmm. This, this is where I felt the most confident and most comfortable. And that's where I wanted to be. And then Uncle Roy came back in my life again. He was finally, do, he was doing his last big album with a major label and he wanted to feature me. And I went in there. And I do the things I do when I'm writing. I did a scatting. I heard some of the melody, the lyrics, but I scattered the parts. And he said, okay, I've got to go. When we come back, we'll finish. Do you know my frinky dinky, licky thing that I'm thinking was, not, was just me putting an idea down to finish? He had mastered it. It was on the album. I my scatting and everything. Hmm. Cool. This so, is the same guy who put me on stage the first time that I danced. Like an angel. My angel. One of the things Uncle Roy said to me is that in doing me, I had to accept that that big thing may not happen. Yes. But what you have to decide what is most important to you. And I made that decision. What was most important to me is that I did not lose myself. Because if I lose myself, then I cannot do anything. Yes. When I finally. Decided that I can do it because I understood that it was something I had to do. It was going to help me heal. It was going to help me get to a place of understanding because I held, still had so much I was holding in. And then I started getting. I got up with my manager at the time put out a single, which was my first single called "Do You See What I See," and again it was fusion of my scatting and singing. My singing, singing, and I never claimed to be a singer. I told people I was a storyteller. I couldn't claim mm-hmm. singing. I still was like, "No, you, it's not yours." So I was a storyteller, and then I got this opportunity—a call from Louis Vega. That was masters of work. They were doing a tribute to Fella, and they were like, "Would you do?" It? I thought it was somebody playing, pulling pranks like. New soul. I just listened to the album with all the divas that wanted to work with me. But it was true. And I showed up with my crew. We did the tune. It became the biggest Afro house tune of the 90s. And I showed up. And from then, more people wanted to work with me. It may be, it doesn't have to go to the mainstream. I could go through this world. I'm a dancer. The dance world, awesome. And finally, 2006, I felt ready to do my own album called ALA, which stood for and still stands for African Living Abroad. Hmm. So I'm an African living abroad. Hmm. And that was the first album that came out. And it spoke about the songs. I had a song called Crossover, which basically is about people telling me to do crossover. And I said, what do you mean crossover? You mean do something commercial? You mean, what does that mean though? Break it down for it's me. It's such an absurd term. Yes. So that I had that it's song. It's basically
1: meaning dummy yourself down, fell yes. out.
0: And I ain't ain't doing it. Mm. I ain't doing it. And then the same scenario, when I walked into a scenario where they were doing a tribute to Fella and they told me that I wasn't singing right. They wanted me to sing more like Macy Gray because she had done on the tribute to Fella album, she had sang. and I was like, but she was trying to sound like the Fella women. And I grew up, that's me. Uh, So it was kind of like I was always either too African or not African enough. And I said, I had to own me. This was the, really the understanding that people are going to keep trying to define you. So you have to start in a place where you say, uh, 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 I know who I am. Mm-hmm. So that's where my first album. And that album, I, I was happy. It was really me finally claiming that I, I can do music on my own way, my terms, like everything else I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I end up having followings and having a dance company, a choreographer who used my music for his projects and designing costumes through my collaboration with him. I designed six costumes on Alvin Ailey. I told my dad, I said, Dad, I know you never had this plan for me, but I'm living the life that I was born to do. Did he get it? Yes. Yeah. I'm his only child. I'm... I'm all he's got, (laughs) and I'm thankful, and I'm thankful. He loves me, and being able to recognize that and accept that and live Mm -hmm. with that.
1: That's a beautiful thing, you can say that now. Yes, yes. What would you say to your 10-year-old self?
0: Butterfly, you're flying. You're flying. I have lots of God kids. Lots and lots of God children. And I remember every time they, they're with me, the one thing I, I recognize every child needs to feel is loved. Like the love is solid. When they look in your eyes and they know how much you've got their back. Like, they can fly. Then you don't hold back. You know you're fearless, mm-hmm. so that's what I will fly, butterfly. You are fearless. <laughs> I had to. I had to grow into believing that Wumi Ibumi is officially grown.
1: That's <laughs> hmm. amazing. beautiful thank Thank you thank you so so much much. that was absolutely a treasure 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 gorgeous amazing moment (laughs) Moment. we hope you were inspired by this episode until next week that's it from me Elisa, and me lily if you agree that facades separate us and being radically honest brings us together Help spread the movement for radical self-acceptance by sharing this episode and subscribing to our podcast. You
2: can also watch our videos by subscribing to our YouTube channel and following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook using the handle at style like you.
1: That's the letter U instead of the word you.
2: And check out our book, True Style is What's Underneath the Self-Acceptance Revolution on Amazon or at a local bookstore near you.
1: We can't skip ahead to a happy ending or live inside a Photoshopped image or an Instagram filter. There's no finding oneself when glossing over the truth. Hey, I'm Sapphire want to hear something scary if you love getting the chills make sure to tune in to the something scary podcast come join me as i read the creepiest urban legends folktales and ghost stories from my friends family and listeners like you like stories about skinwalkers powerful sorcerers with the ability to change their appearance into another animal so that they can kill more easily and hearing about them draws them right to you Oops. Subscribe to the Something Scary Podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, this is Candace Lowry
0: from Persister. Persister is a podcast where I interview badass women who've broken down barriers to really make a name for themselves. I'm talking to actors, entrepreneurs,
1: and just women who know how to get stuff done and can help you learn how to get ahead. You can listen to Persister on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.